Happy Labor Day. This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It is actually Labor Day, and I uh, am really excited about this podcast that you're going to listen to today. Uh, Nadia Ginsberg is on the podcast. She's a good friend of mine, and she's got a new web series coming out this week called Madonna Logs, where she plays Madonna, of course, and um, her brilliant imitations of Cher and Winona Ryder may also pop up on the podcast. Also joining us is our friend Glenn Gaylord, the filmmaker who collaborated with Nadia and I on the short film If We Took a Holiday, which is just starting to roll out to festivals all over the place. So we're going to talk a little about that, too. Um, I went to this cemetery screening in Hollywood last night and saw Pretty in Pink. And can I just tell you, that shit holds up. And Andy, Molly Ringwald's character, is my new hero, who I'm going to try to be like, because she was like having the hard conversations and calling people out. And I was really like inspired by that. And I maybe wept a little bit. And I think Ducky's gay, of course. So, but I still wish she'd kind of picked him. Anyway, that's a tangent. Uh, Before we get to the podcast, I want to encourage you to please take my audience poll. It's on the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. It's really going to help me grow this thing. And uh, it means so much to me, everyone that takes it. Um, if you want to send me an email, the address is dennisanyonepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to help me keep this thing free, there's a tip jar also on the Dennis Anyone Facebook page if you scroll down the left-hand side. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Hensley Dennis, and uh, you could also like the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. That would mean a lot, too. So um, without any further ado, I'm going to bring on my dear friends, Glenn and Nadia. We made a movie together. We loved each other before. And we still love each other, and we're really proud of it. And I'm so excited for Nadia's Madonna Logs web series to debut on Wednesday, September 3rd. So, enjoy. Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's pretty early on the Sunday morning before Labor Day. Uh, and I have two guests today, my good friends and collaborators, Nadia Ginsberg and Glenn Gaylord, who uh, appeared once before on the podcast on my very first Dennis Anyone Extra. Uh, we collaborated on the film If We Took a Holiday. And this Wednesday, Nadia launches her own web series called Madonna Logs. Yay! Woo! Break it down for us. First, we'll start about Madonna Logs, and then we'll talk some a little bit about our film. And then we have lots of neat announcements about it. Uh, where it's showing and all of that stuff. So, um, so scoot in a little bit, Nadia, oh, and scoot and in. Scoot, in. scoot up, scoot up, Get slide it. in. It's Sunday morning. <laughs> um, so, Madonna logs. Uh, it is a web series. I take it that it features Madonna. Yes, it uh, features Madonna, and it, it is a uh, a peek into her inner sanctum. I'm not going to speak as Madonna. I, you can do it as yeah. much as you want. We made a movie about it. We've done skits about it. You've probably done the gong show as her, and I'm still, I can't get enough. I it's light funny up. how, like, like, we all of a sudden, like, sit up in our seats the minute you start talking. Because about it. it's so brilliant. Oh, but thanks, guys. How many... I actually do better with negative reinforcement, so <laughs> makes me work harder if you yeah. um, are somewhat negative. Uh but actually, I'm going to keep going back and forth. It's a, it is a sort of peek into the fishbowl that is Madonna's life, and um, it's going to appear. Uh, it's going to be launched weekly. I think I might be doing a few episodes and then have a check-in with some other people. Maybe share, may uh, do a breakdown. I love it. Yeah. So uh, 
But yes, I don't want to give too much away, but it is it will feature the return of Lola. If anyone hasn't seen my video, Madonna and Child, that was about about four years ago, that featured the lovely and talented uh, Selene Luna, um, who's playing Lola. Playing Lola, and originally she had a unibrow and uh, and a mustache. She almost looked at like Peter Lorre in the in the um, right. in the original uh, sketch, but now Lola, as we know, is is all grown up. She's and, blossoming into her own. Oh, right, which uh, is its own bag of uh, tricks. And so, Lola played Rizzo in Greece in her high school production, yes. and Madonna went. And I just i I wrote a mismatch game question about that dynamic because it was so like. That's surreal. Madonna's in the audience rooting yeah. for her, and, and Lola's basically doing the Papa Don't Preach song. Yes, you know? but to cry in front of you. Yes. Yes, That's yes. the worst thing I could do. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, I know. Uh, you wonder about... You know, when you become a, a woman, I always say, like, to have boys as someone who... As someone who has no children, I'm an expert on this. Yes, but, you uh, are. But as a woman, when you become, like, between, like, 10 and 12, it's very scary the thought of becoming a woman. It's exciting, but it's scary. And I feel sorry for parents because if you have a boy, you worry he's probably going to go knock someone up or do something like yeah, that. Yeah, don't get anyone pregnant. Yes. That's your big, that's the that's big. That's the worry. Yeah. But for a woman, all of that anxiety, you just, ah, right into your mom. <laughs> your poor mothers really have to deal with all of that anxiety and I, oh, it's, I'm and fascinated your awkwardness by it. and the way you yeah. feel about your body. And yeah. So... You know, and you know it must be difficult as Madonna to dispense advice to about chastity and uh, all of those things right. when you are Madonna. So no, I do. Uh, I would rattle off some jokes, but I don't want to give them off because give them away because we do uh, we do mention Greece and we oh, do talk good. about dating and yeah. So good. Some of that is being covered. In I movie. remember the mismatch game question was like. Madonna went and saw Lourdes in her high school production of Grease on opening night. And for her opening night present, she gave her a blank. And my favorite answer, and I don't even remember who said it was, a shove off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> because, that I don't know, you do feel like Madonna still needs to be the one, the, the center alpha. of attention. Well, I've always said that... Uh... You know, my the main people ask me, what is it about your impression? And, and uh, to me, it boils down to the fact that Madonna basically got famous being somewhat like Britney Spears. Right. Although she is far more, excuse me, Britney, intellectual, I think. Yes. And, and um, you know, hungry for knowledge. And she educated herself. And she hung out with a lot of artists, with Basquiat and yeah. Warhol and... Uh, so she became famous as sort of a pop tart, but because she is more than that, every time she speaks, <laughs> she wants you to know that she is educated. Um, she cares about social change. She is a freedom fighter. You know, even though I, I do have to say as well, uh, after watching uh, or the video for Anaconda. Which is very overtly sexual. Yeah, the Nicki Minaj song. I, it occurred to me that Madonna was always very sexual, but it, and I knew this before, but it was never she never put herself in the, as a victim. I mean that that song is basically about your big ass getting guys to buy you Louboutins. Yeah, and 
which is all, what is fascinating about that as well, and also goes back to Madonna, which how we criticize her and pull her down, is that Nicki Minaj is not new on the, on the scene. And it would be one thing if a rapper is like, I got people, I got to get people to notice me. What can I what do? What can I do? I'll show my ass. Like, I'll show my tits. Yeah, like when Miley was reinventing. Like, I've right. got to do that Alan Thicke thing if I'm going to kill Hannah Montana. Right. And look, uh, there's another one. She had to do that. Justin Timberlake didn't. Yeah. Justin Timberlake could just say, now I'm a man. But as a woman, you're always battling this virgin whore thing. Yes. And with... And, and for people that criticize Miley, I was like, it worked. Yeah. She had to... Get you to see her in a totally different way and and take her seriously as a, a young woman pop star on this landscape. And it worked. A provocateur. Yeah. Yes. So I don't I do not do the Miley pile on. No. I think it was kind of brilliant. I found, though, that Nicki Minaj thing just so... Um, it What's was the, reductive. I, it was reductive. <laughs> Basically, it takes... I, I saw the performance on the VMAs, okay. but I haven't seen the actual video. The video is just a bunch of asses. And it's one thing to sample. And I know I'm not a different generation. Right. But, you know, there is a way to sample and you add something. And then there's just a blatant rip-off. Right. And I feel she ripped it off. But all that said, it, I feel for Madonna because she does... You, what I was saying about uh, Nicki Minaj is, this is what a woman who's gotten in the door, she's in the inner sanctum... Right. She's, we're already ready to see what she's going to do next. And it shows, as a woman, how limited your options are. So as Madonna, as well, she can't win if she is overly intellectual and speaking of the wolf and quoting the Kabbalah... We say, get off your high horse. Yeah. And if she dances around in pom-poms and shows her crotch, we say, shut up, act your age, put your clothes on. Right. So it is, how could, that all goes back to the acting, which is what I was going to say. She's yeah. brilliant at, not, at uh, being aware of the camera. But to be a great actor, in my humble opinion, you have to be vulnerable. Right, you have to and not be can't. in control. She has to be in control. Yes, so anyway, that but is also, me on jumping, stepping down from my my. I Fair love it. trade soapbox. But you also do Cher, and Cher was never as overtly sexual, even though she showed a lot of skin. But Cher always had a sense of humor about herself. Yeah, she and doesn't that, take herself too seriously. And Madonna does, and yeah. that's why I think people are harder on her. If, if Madonna was cheekier, but I don't, you can't imagine it. It's too. Yeah, there is a like the fact that Cher keeps getting herself to all these, uh, all these uh, hit songs. And she seems to do it with a sort of effortlessness. She'd probably say, what fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I am on the treadmill every day. I, I, I mean, give me a break. Effortless? Fuck you. My favorite you know. part of the way you do share is you've really tapped into her share awareness of herself and how... I'm share, And I like her um, bluntness about stuff and her... Uh, where, uh, her sort of impatience with a lot of stuff and that uh, that uh, that sort of I don't have to give a shit-ness of her now that is so entertaining. Yeah. We well, cherish. Thank you. Thank well, you. We, we love it in her and we love it in you. Thank you. know you. what I mean? Like, it's, it's... When did you first realize you could imitate people? Did you imitate, like, people in school or your parents or... Oh, well, my parents, um, who were uh, counterculture... Uh, said that they would have parties when they would have parties and everyone would dance. I would imitate how everyone danced, but I would. Uh, that's what my one of my earliest recollections. That's so funny. Like th this lady danced like this, and yeah. this lady danced like that. Okay. Um, and but um, it wasn't until 
I was in New York and I took an improv class where I met my then boyfriend, Victor Verhage, and we, we didn't do the fourth level. We started, we had a duo called Verhage and Ginsburg. Right. And our heroes were very current. They're probably like, nobody knows uh, these Shields days. Shields and Yarnell. No, no I'm uh, kidding. Uh, Sid Caesar and Imogene Coca. You know, who would do the fake language sketches and yeah. stuff. When I started with working with him, I realized that I had a knack for uh, voices. Hearing and, how people talked. Yeah, and even uh, when I came out here to be on a sketch show called Hype that had people like Jennifer Lee Cox on it. And, who else was on that show? Uh, uh, Christ, uh, Kristen Susson at the time, who yeah. did that. Uh, she's brilliant from the Groundlings and... Uh, she did that show, now I'm blanking, uh, about uh, two women in their 50s who go back to school with Carrie Aisley. Oh, right. Because I don't know her new married name. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Jennifer Lee Cox from the Brady Bunch show, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. She yeah. was on that. And she was on Love Spring. Um, Love Spring International. Right. Uh, Frank Caliendo, who's a stand-up. Right. Uh, my friend Steve Kramer is a very funny stand-up. Da- uh, Daniel Gaither, African-American uh, actress, comedian, who was then on Mad TV. Chris Williams, who's Vanessa Williams' uh, brother, who played Crazy Eyes on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Is he the really handsome one with the green eyes? Yes, he was, yes. Like, he was, he's super hot. Yes, yes. Very, right? very hot. Yes. Okay. And then, unfortunately, someone named Michael Roof, who was, uh, the, actually, the show was built around him and a guy named Frank Caliendo. Unfortunately, he had a, a Robin Williams sort of type situation where he was so brilliant and and I think he he it was wrong dispensement of medication and bipolar disorder and I hate to bring it down but he he hung himself. Oh my gosh! Oh, I'm it so broke sorry. my heart. I think of him all the time. How was, long after the show? Uh, maybe it was maybe now like five years ago, and the show was in two thousand, so it was quite some time. And he was in the Fast and Furious movies, but you know this 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 industry, man, I can't. It, it really if. It's hard. It's tough. Remember all those times when you're like a young student or whatever, and and all the the people come and they all tell you, if you could do anything else, do it. And if they all tell, you know, they all talk about how hard it is. And you're like, yeah, but I got moxie. And (laughs) I I just remember like all that, all those people saying, I don't know, but you never, you have to do your own thing. You're young. You're, you want to do this stuff. So you, you carry on. Now, when you first came out to LA, you came with hype, right? So the reason you moved to LA was the job. Yes. What was that like to come to LA and to work on a television show? And well, you'd think at the time I was working three jobs. I was working as a, at the cupping room in West, uh, in, uh, on, on the West side in New York at a, as a brunch and then I was working nighttime as a bartender at this place, Bar on A. And then I was working as a co-check girl at one of Bobby Flay's restaurants uh, called Bolo. And this is in New York? In New York. Okay. And uh, I got the... So one part of it was very exciting. You'd think I would have been so excited, and I was. But when you come to L.A., you need to find your niche. And for about a year and a half, every time I got on a plane from going back to visit my family, I would cry. It was... It was overwhelming I feel like and I was a nice I am a nice person you are. and even I noticed people on the show that had been through the groundlings they learned which personally like I have such great friends like Drew Drogi is so brilliant yeah and so many people went through, through that program and are brilliant and lovely but you really learn about politics you learn about boundaries and uh 
because in that program you get cut if you don't you, you get you know voted on by a group every yeah, level. Yeah, it's kind of competitive it's and very competitive. political. And I wouldn't have flirt not like I'm a softie or I've had everything so easy, but I don't think I was ready. I just expected we all we'd all be friends. <laughs> and we're putting on a show. Yeah, yeah. and even uh, not to sound like uh, put myself on this level, but they said. Uh, Gilda Radner once said that she was so shell-shocked when she got onto Saturday Night Live. It took her a while to be as funny in her living room as she was on TV. And you could tell there was such a kindness and sweetness yeah. about her, right? So coming to L.A., it was ex- I was excited about getting having a car and I could put as many paper towels as I wanted in the trunk. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's... I didn't have to carry my groceries on, right. the, on the subway. Right, that New York thing, yes. But uh, it was... Uh, Ultimately, I feel like I'm a part of a large generation of people who went went west and found that magic. And I really love Los Angeles. I was a snob. I thought there was no culture or history here. And it is a place. There is a something of great magic here, where anything is possible, really. And that, which is actually what our movie is about. It is kind of about that. And we're going to totally get to da, that. Da, da, da. I like that I little twist. <laughs> what? When you got on the show and you were working on it, and then it lasted a season, mm-hmm. was it devastating when it ended? Or were you like, oh, fuck, now I'm in L.A., I guess I'm going to stay? Well, I got paid $10,000 an episode. There and you I go. had never seen that kind of money. Yeah. So, there were two sides to that, too, though. Because when it was done, it's like, what I should have done is immediately gone back to just finding some kind of job. But in my head, I thought... No, that's going backwards. And surely that's the last time you're going to take a job waitressing or bartending. Wrong, because I didn't marry well, and I don't have a trust fund. Right. And that is one of the grandest hypocrisies in L.A. That, I mean, I remember working at the Meridian Hotel after I the show ended, and it was like six months later, I'm like, I got to I gotta just get some kind of job. And I saw it as a huge failure. And one of the managers, who shall remain nameless, came into the show and saw me there working at the bar. At the bar, and I like had an anxiety. One of attack. the managers that uh, that represented one okay, of the people. Okay, okay. I thought you meant one of the managers of the hotel. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. So, so I should make a it talent. Clear. No, a, a talent, talent manager, manager came into the Meridian and saw me there and was like, "You are, you are fucking talented, talented," and still. I was I was dying inside. And I get I think, it. You know, I totally get it. My gosh, uh, it's but it's a reality. Uh, there's a great bumper sticker that says, "Real artists have day jobs." Yeah, <laughs> and not that doesn't take anything away from successful artists who make it, but but that is the biggest challenge, or has been the biggest challenge, is the hypocrisy of what it really takes to make it, and the sort of um, persona you have to create, uh, in order to survive, like internally and externally, if that makes any sense, you know? So that ultimately was the biggest challenge because as an actor, you're used to things not succeeding. I wanted it to succeed. What was a shock was that when it ended, I thought, oh, this is it. I'm, I'm going to, my career is on this meteoric rise. It's just going to continue. And you look at, any actor's career and yeah. if they're not they're like two people that get to go way up to the mountain and right. the rest of us are constantly yeah up there, and there's down. one julia roberts and yes. she's got it covered right but even she's probably nervous right now yeah somewhere she's somewhere feeling nervous <laughs> she's somewhere no, 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 i, no, I, I get mean, it come on yeah. it's like uh 
who uh, Jackie has a great joke. Jackie beat. Yeah. You know? uh, every, if you're an actor in Hollywood, you're a whore. Mel, Mel uh, you know, Meryl Streep. Whore. You don't believe me? Rent Mamma Mia. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. So, um... What was your favorite, most memorable thing to perform on Hype? Was there a... Was was there a thing that you really loved? Like, when I worked on the Big Gay Sketch Show, I wrote a sketch for Nicole Payone uh, to do as Glenn Close. And it was just... I was so proud of it. And she killed it, and I liked that it had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and we, there were like three different table reads while we were developing the show, and it never made it to the table read until the last one, and and I went to the, and I always was kind of pushing for it, and we finally got to do it at the table read, and you read like 20 sketches at the table read, and they pick like a handful or whatever, and we were at the table read, we were finally going to do it, and Nicole did her first line as Glenn Close, and everyone laughed, and I was like, that's in the show. Yeah. And then it came together great. They styled her great. In, in other words, that was my, like, mm, yes moment yeah, yeah. from that particular job. What Did you have one for Hype where you were like... Well, I don't know. I like that I'm one of the original characters I auditioned with. Um, um, Amberly Amber, who, uh, who was a, a child actress who was, like, really, like, you don't, like, lived in the seedy underbelly, really. She was... Acted really nice, but underneath she was mean. <laughs> I love her <laughs> and voice. She, and uh, I like that she became a recurring character. Where she was Amberly Amber reporting live, and um, she would like interview um, uh, Lenny Kravitz, and uh, she would like basically interview people as a nice little girl, and then every, at the end they were crying because she would start really nice. And then, uh, you know, like she's in- interviewing Mariah Carey. Isn't it true? You know, you're a big old whore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, basically. <laughs> so I like that. I really just enjoyed... I enjoyed when they would just give me something, a video of somebody, and then it was VHS. Right. And VHS, I, take this home. Yeah, take this home and watch it, and I would have to come up with it. I just love being a resource in that environment and doing all the different characters. Yeah. I just... Um, I just love that element of yeah. it. So I can't say there was one favorite thing, but that was very, um, a con- that was uh, really special to me. That's something yeah. that I had original character became a recurring thing. So that was cool. I love that. Now, you do great characters, but you're also just a terrific actress playing things that are less broad. And some of our, oh, my you. favorite moments in our movie are when you're just, you know, playing the character of Nadia and, and also going back and forth between that and Madonna. Does it, Ever frustrate you that the characters are seem to be where the attention comes or whatever? And you're, you're, do you are you itching to be just like, you know, a, a, a kitchen sink drama or something like that? Something a little um, more dramatic and more uh, more more grounded, I guess, grounded you know, or naturalistic. Yes, no, and uh, I think we've discussed a little bit of this. You know, when I started in comedy, you sort of weren't allowed to be a real person. You know, and uh, Mindy Kaling. Kaling? Kaling. Kaling yeah. wrote a great article that uh, a woman's, usually a woman's uh, fatal flaw uh, or is, is, it's Jennifer Garner who's wearing a pair of glasses and she's clumsy. Uh, that that, yeah. that you, you can't actually take a real woman. And when I started, there were no Lena Dunham's and you wouldn't have seen my doppelganger, Jenny Slate, yeah. in a movie called Obvious Child. I mean, there has always been Streisand, I suppose... Or, or, or there are women who make it through, but basically I spent a lot of my career uh, having agents tell me, you are so talented, but there's, 
we just they're not the parts you know they're and that's what I was told over and over again so I'm very happy that that's changing right. and I'm very hopeful that there will be more opportunities to do some straight acting and real acting but then again when I'm doing Madonna or Cher I'm trying to be as real as possible and so in a way I do try and think about what keeps Madonna up at night like what you know what are her demons and and hopefully when you're not hopefully when you when you portray a real person that's what you're thinking about too right and I am thinking about their voices but I want them to be real people so I truly am happy to to if I could just uh, on a permanent basis get paid to do yeah. what I love then I'd be very happy but sure I, I yeah. would Give me all of it. I'll do any of it. Right. Like that I was, said, that was some of my That was some of my favorite stuff when we were writing and shooting if we took a holiday was I would always pull you aside and say, why does Madonna do this? Why what? Why has she behaved this way? Because I always was so interested in your take on it and that I knew that you thought what the subtext of each scene was and what made her tick and why she needed to prove that she was smart. And it was always uh, – that was like such a favorite thing to do uh, that you took it seriously as an acting performance, not a spoof. Thank you. That's why your characterizations are so brilliant, because you get it what they're about. It's not just that the voice sounds right or you do the blinking. Like, you get her psychology. You get her insecurities. and Can you imagine that? I get her insecurities. <laughs> no. <That's, laughs> when was the first time you did her? Um, on Hype. Yeah, on you did show. Madonna. Because Jackie Beat, actually, I swear I met Jackie Beat, um, even though we both came from New York at the same time. And we did a parody of music. And, um... Music. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Music. Makes um, the people come together. Yeah, yeah. But it, uh... Music. Something makes your hips wide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I... What did she say? Uh, I have to... I have to have a little more coffee to quote it. But anyway, we recreated the whole video. That must the, have been so fun. Oh, it was fun. It was really fun. The old Madonnas, like we did in our yeah. movie, and the new Madonna. Um, have you ever heard anything from her camp in any of your... Because uh, you've done <laughs> videos online about her. You did hype about her. We've got this new movie. I've heard through the gay mafia, but uh, that from her hair and makeup people, that's that she has that she's seen it. Also, when we uh, uh, Selene Luna and I put up our video, Madonna and Child, was when Madonna was strangely courting Perez Hilton. Yeah, and she was making videos. She realized realized I can't just sit and say that I don't um, read magazines or you know partake of media. You know yeah. that she's like, no, this is happening, and I got to get in on this. Yeah. And so she started flirting with Perez, and it was the same time our videos were being posted. So she's got to have seen it, and she and the real Lola did a campaign for Material Girl where they were searching for the next Material Girl. Right. And they did a video, and as soon as it was put up, everybody said, oh, my God, they're copying you because it's <laughs> Madonna sitting there. And actually, I thought Madonna was pretty funny. Yeah. And Lola's eating, and she comes in, and they have a banter, and Madonna's persona was making fun of someone who was uptight. Yeah. So I have a feeling... I've never been very overt with, like... Uh, tagging her and yeah. try, but I think with my web series I'm going to become a little more pushy with tagging Liz Rosenberg yeah. and, and getting people to, to see it um, and I hope 
it's interesting, of all the videos, all these Madonna fans, I've had very few people, they'll all say, I love Madonna, but this is so good. Because sometimes I am very harsh. Yeah. I, I mean, or I'm not afraid to... You, you get it, the fact that she's full of shit a lot of the time. Yeah. But yet, it's the same thing with our movie. We're fans, too, at the same time. It's mm-hmm. both. But I like that the fans don't think you're a hater. They love it. They get that I'm a that I, I'm a. Yeah. Someone get me a fan. <laughs> I can't even. I can't think to answer a question. That was one of her pre-interview things. Oh, I saw yeah. it. Oh my god. Um, the hydrangeas, no. or was oh, it? Is who it the, hate, what kind of a fucking asshole hates a flower? <laughs> yeah. It's one thing if you're like, I do not like these things. They're not my but, favorite. Right, but you I, hate a flower? <laughs> yeah. D- you know, like, I, From a I fan. loathe, I loathe, I think she loathes <laughs> Yes. Them. But uh, I think everybody, I think the people who do appreciate my videos do so because they love Madonna, but they are irritated at sometimes or confused by what she's become. Yeah. But so they keep rooting for her. Yeah. But you know what? It's very easy for us to sit here. Yeah. And and cast dispersions on her and say what she should be doing when my god, it, I can't it's like my grandmother once said which is just a proof of her bad parenting. Yeah. <laughs> it was you know, it was always like don't try too hard. She said, you know, why would anyone want to be in the Olympics? Why would anyone want to be president? You know, we're getting a good job, work for the government, you know. But really and truly... Play it safe. Play it safe. And and uh, as much as I make fun of her, even like the cheerleader thing, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. You're putting on a cheerleading outfit? Right. Like, but then again, I thought of it after it happened, and I thought... Is that incredibly n- sort of like I don't get it and what are you doing? You know, is it or is it incredibly ballsy and great? Like, how old do you have to be where you can't dress up like a cheerleader? Right. And the skirt was not that short. It no. was not. And, and and you also look at it, and she's, like, going through every look. I've done it, done it, done it, done it, yeah. done it. Okay, I got cheerleader. I mean, Gwen Stefani. I got gladiator, <laughs> I got cheerleader. Yeah. Like, there aren't that many things left. She's like, fuck, I'm a, I better be, it's time for the cheerleader. Like, Well, I had a theory that um, the reason she came up with that Super Bowl act was she had a horrible nightmare that she was back in high school, and she was being forced to sing Bad Romance to every guy on the football team who she blew. And who then ignored her. <laughs> and so she said, I'm, I'm being thrown to the lions. So what do you do in life? You use that fucking shit. Okay? Yeah. So I got up and I commissioned a fucking Roman gladiator outfit. I'm going to have to perform at the Super Bowl for all these fucking straight people. It's fucking terrifying. You know, it's one thing to perform for a room full of Marys. You can't do you can't do wrong all on all kinds of drugs, but a fucking bunch of gay you know straight men. I'm fucking gonna go to the lions. So I used that shit. I used it, you know. So, well, I um, you know, I one of the themes that our movie taps into is a certain there's a certain generation of gay men, and I'm right in the sweet spot of it who loved her so much and had these moments where we thought. She'd like me. We could be friends. And my writing career actually started because I was working as a cruise ship dancer, and I'd have, like, four months on the boat, two months off. And during one of those hiatuses, Madonna was auditioning for her Blonde Ambition Tour. And I was a dancer at the time. I wasn't, like, you know, the greatest, but I could... You're an incredible dancer. Thank you. But I was... Okay. 
I, 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 I had a shot. Why not? I'm going to go audition. So me and my friend Scott Williams went to audition, and the, um, the breakdown was Dress Street... Not I, Scott Williams, the hair and makeup guy. No, Scott okay. Williams, who uh, edited our trailer for If We oh, Took a Holiday. Okay. We're still friends. Okay. Uh, and is probably listening to this. And always complains because there aren't enough of them because he listens on a hike. So we're doing what we can. What's up, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we went and the, the breakdown said Dress Street. And <laughs> and I thought, maybe is that like what Lucille Ball was wearing in the movie where she was on the street? Like, so, like a hobo. A hobo. <laughs> <laughs> So we, I wore, wore these jeans with the knees ripped out, and we get there, and she's there, and she's got a little beret on, and um, oh, they break. There, there's like, it's a very short combination uh, of like Roger Rabbits. There was four big Roger Rabbits, and then four small and sexy Roger Rabbits, and then Running Man. Like it was like a simple like you know two or three counts of eight like movement that everyone can do. And then, then she typed out. And so she's, she kept a few people and the rest, thank you very much. Or, you know, if you could, you know, and then I was, I was out. But, um, I remember my fantasies about auditioning and what it would be like if I got it were so vivid and stuff that I wrote an article about the whole experience. And it was like, kind of called, um, confessions of a boy toy wannabe. And I, I, I was like, there's something here. This is funny and interesting. So I sent query letters to all these magazines, got little nibbles from Spy or whatever. Nothing worked. Did another whole salvo in all these other different magazines. And the editor of Movie Line Magazine, Ed Margulies, uh, called me up and said, if your story's as funny as your letter, I think, you know, we may be in business. And I sent it in. He's like, we're going to publish this. Wow. They did this funny picture of me where my face was over Sean Penn's and it was, I was walking with Madonna and it was in movie line and he started giving me assignments after that. Um, the first one was interview Florence Henderson. And once I got enough of those, I sent to other magazines and it was the beginning of my career as a journalist. That's such a natural progression. <laughs> I know because, uh, uh, Madonna rejected me and, Years later, kind of at the height of my uh, journalism career, when there was a thing called magazines, um, I got to interview her at a round table for a Singapore magazine. I was like, I became the guy from Singapore. And um, there were like 12 people all around the thing, and you'd get like one question, and it would go around. And I remember like, and and sometimes you're like, oh, that idiot from Guam asked the stupidest question. That idiot from Guam? (laughs) Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, (laughs) And it was for Bedtime Stories, the album. And I asked her, I, first of all, and uh, I asked her, do you ever have sex to your own music? And she goes, no, it'd be too distracting. I would be listening to all of the mistakes and everything oh, I would change. so That's, Madonna. Yeah, so Madonna. And then I, um, I asked her if she could be anonymous for a day, what she would do. That's a good question, and right? What, yeah, what, would she, what did she say? Um, she would go out to a club and go dancing. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That makes That makes me feel good. Because uh, you want you want to think that she and fun and fun dance floor. I love the dance floor. Uh, and then I told her before I asked my first question, I was like, I have a writing career because you rejected me. And um, and I told a little bit, you know, I auditioned and I wrote a story and it has and, and she goes, well, they, it's very good. You took a negative and you turned it into a positive. <laughs> I can't quite say it, but yeah. well, that's very good. You, you took a negative and you turned it into a positive. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I always wanted to hear that. So. Um, 
what's your favorite era of Madonna? Like, what's, when did she, because what I love about her is, like, I'm also a fan of Janet Jackson, but Miss You Much could have come out any time. It could, it could have been any time in that 20-year period. Madonna was sort of like, oh, that's 1987. Oh, that's Ray of Light. Like, I remember that. Like, there were, they were sort of moments. They weren't just songs. They were moments. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like all her incarnations. I definitely love even... Maybe it's also because I love the film Desperately Seeking Susan by yeah. uh, Susan Seidelman. Um, I feel like she was her most organic there. And if yeah. there was a... She was the first one to do a selfie. Yeah. Remember, she took those Polaroid pictures of herself and she's in the hotel room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's right. She was the selfie pioneer. So, yeah. I'm surprised she hasn't really reminded us of that. Maybe I need to put that in web series. I think it should be a yeah. web series. Yeah. Um, she should school everybody on, on selfie taking. I feel but, like um, I would love for Madonna to teach a class at the learning annex <laughs> uh, in a in a conference room in a Radisson, right? On how she, how to do what she's done. World domination. Welcome to reinvention. <laughs> reinventing your life. One hundred and one. Whether you're a housewife or a whatever it migrant is, migrant farm worker. <laughs> you can. Yeah, you too. Can take a negative and and, make it into a positive. And, and like, yeah. Yeah. And Um, first I have to call roll. (laughs) I don't want Madonna at the learning annex. Anyway, now people are going to start doing requests for Madonna logs, but, um, yeah, I don't remember where we were going. Oh, Oh, definitely Sid and Susan. Yeah, I like, but I really loved, uh, there's something I like about each, each one. And, uh, I like when she was, uh. I think her most artistic, where she really was uh, had her hand on the pulse of something, was probably uh, that Like a Prayer video. Because it was, I guess it was, uh, people say it was based on Basquiat, the, the, yeah, the, perhaps. the artist. But it, that, to me, was pushing buttons without, it didn't seem trying too hard. Like, she actually did it, and Pepsi rejected it. I mean, to have sex with a black Jesus dancing in front of a bunch of burning crosses, you could say, oh, trying too hard. Or really great. I mean... But, but I listened to that song the other day with fresh ears, and I remember thinking, there was nothing on the radio that sounded like this, that had that gospel uplift. Yeah. Like, it wasn't... It, it, was, a, it was spiritual. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't sort of trashing religion. It was sort of... It had a spirituality that was uplifting. What was your favorite Madonna era? The uh, Blonde Ambition Tour uh, Vogue okay. era. Okay, I yes. think, like, you know, when that was, like, I remember being on a cruise ship and Truth or Dare was about to come out and every time I'd go into port there'd be another magazine with her on the cover and I would just devour them, you know, and reading every Q&A and also I have pictures of all, me all over Europe voguing, me and my friend Joey, <laughs> in just Lisbon, <laughs> Portugal on some statue Vogue, like that whole summer, like that whole era. And I think, I feel like that tour was the beginning of like the major theatrical production tour. I think that's where everything got. She masturbated in that one. Yeah. And Chris Ciccone, her brother. Designed the set. Did all the, yeah, he came to my show and he liked it. Oh, really? And he laughed. Yeah, my stage show. Did he talk to you afterwards? No, he left because Jackie Beat was the last act and actually he left right before Jackie. Oh, okay. But, um. Uh, Glenn, who's your favorite Madonna? What's your favorite Madonna period? Well, I really, I, it's kind of weird, but I was obsessed with uh, True Blue because I love oh. the album cover. I just thought it was magical. That's one and, of her most iconic album covers for sure. And I was obsessed yeah. with the original video to True Blue 
um, that they never showed. They, they showed this like home movie of people dancing. You know, yeah. Yeah. she wasn't even in it. It was a so, contest. Yeah, and so then, but because they scrapped her original video, which had her in a line with on a set with a car with Debbie Mazar, and it was just kind of amateur hour. It just wasn't very good. And I thought she, I, I liked it when she kind of like. It looked a little lowbrow. There was something kind of endearing about it not being up to par with what she would do. And yet, I love the song. And I like that song, Where's the Party from that? You know, which I just thought... I liked her crazy weird pop explosions. And, yeah. Uh, that, 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 and I was living in Toronto at the time. And I would play it on my little Walkman on right. tape. And I just... I, I would have to, like, commute a lot. And so I'd play it every day. And I just thought that was a really fun time. And, and I don't want to... No, I find it very interesting. I was having this conversation yesterday, and I think I've shared it with both of you. The I was saying to someone yesterday how grateful I am for the chivalry and love and protection that I've gotten from gay men. And that when you take away sexual attraction, that there is still this love that a, a straight woman feels from her gay male friends. And to me, that can be on the personal, but when I hear you saying that you devoured these these covers and that how is a source of hope for you and and I think of if, if I'm, you know, can speak for most gay men, the function that these divas have and I was saying too that uh the more the less they become uh, their sexual worth is to the straight population, the more fervent the protection and love of these divas comes from gay men. And it's almost like it's on a evolutionary level that these women get protected when they want to get, when straight society wants to kick them out, they say, no, 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 Cher is great. And they are great. They're going to stick with them till the bitter fucking end. Yeah. So I find that fascinating, but I'm just curious to you, what is it about Madonna as gay men, both of you that served, what was it about her that provided, um, love. How was she to you? That why, why was she what she was right. to you? I, guess. I never felt protective of her. I always thought that she was the barometer for cool, and that she was on the cutting edge, and she knew what everything was ahead of us, and that I wanted to like sort of see what she would do next. That was yeah. my attraction. And there's okay. a line in the movie that I ca- that I say that was straight from your own. Um, thought something that you thought around that time the, yeah about i literally the, thought about the I, limo right that i would walk across la sienna against santa monica it was that location actually right I just figured a lot of limos pass through there sure. a lot of famous people in west hollywood drive through that intersection on their way to trader Joe's. and it's a long walk across the street so <laughs> yeah. i thought she's gonna notice me and she's gonna stop her limo and say oh i like you come on in and what, cool. would it be, what would it do for you to be liked by her that means you're cool it was about being validated that I kind of tried to keep up with the cutting edge, too. I wanted to know what the great books were. I wanted to know where the next music production was going. And that that's the level of conversation we'd have. And, but she wasn't loved, but she was always being torn down by certain people. So it was like she was an outsider in, the in but who had made it to that top echelon, right? right? But because she was also a movie nerd. And she, I mean, she was always seeking out stuff. And I would see her in bookstores and, you know, and so I just liked that aspect that she was hungry for more culture and, and wanted to read and see everything. And I would want to have that discussion. And now for you, Dennis. I think I liked that she was self-made. That she was from from nowhere, really, and chose it and decided that she was going to make something of herself. And I also loved dancing, and I loved the style of her dancing and the choreography of it. And I liked that her sexuality was 
not just for straight men to consume. It was for her to express. She wasn't a victim. She wasn't. Never. And not any of those. Never, ever, ever, ever. Right? Yeah, that's for me. She was my first example uh, in a pop culture setting of feminism. Yeah. You know? Like she doesn't. Neil Paglia loves her. Yeah, it doesn't seem like she was ever. (laughs) I don't think she was ever really courting straight men, even though some. Yeah, I do. I'd totally do her. You know. Yeah. But like none of her work seemed to really go for that. Uh, Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I and I love every new incarnation, whatever I'm ready, and the tours are great. We went to one tour together, remember that? Yes. Which and when one she was wouldn't it? stop jump roping at the end. <laughs> yes. Nothing's gonna stop me. Now never She actually screamed never and I think we both were like, Whoa okay. That's my takeaway from that moment. <laughs> she she was doing give it to me, nothing's gonna and she did that never and it was primal. And it was like, we were both like, holy shit. She was double dutching, I think. Yeah. Some, <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. Now, um, you also do a Winona. I want Winona to have a comeback, Winona Ryder, because your Winona is amazing. But we need her to be out there doing something. I don't know. Maybe she'll do a check-in where she comments on some things that have happened in some of the episodes. I love She's it. another one, though, that's sort of, I feel like, become a gay kind of an icon because she she you know like we were talking about Hollywood and how hard it is and how when you're relevant or not relevant and right. she was sort of this held up as this big star and then she look what she did right like yeah. she couldn't take it no. and and so now what parts as a woman you know what's ahead of you if you unlike Madonna say learn about reinvention and yeah so or maybe she doesn't need it anymore who Winona, Winona. You don't think she wants to be in movies? I don't know. I don't know. She was in Black Swan. Yeah, she had a Black Swan moment. It was very against character to play someone who was threatened by all these younger dancers. (laughs) I love her. I I love when you do her in your show and you keep offering things from your purse that you may or may not have stolen. (laughs) Uh, Does anybody want... You're just in the middle of a thought and then you're like, does anyone want whatever... Size 6 Todd Oldham jeans in exchange for maybe an oxycodone? (laughs) Or Uh, something in the oxy family? Now... Nadia, I feel like we've been friends for all our lives, but we actually met when you auditioned for a short film that I, I made called Reunion. I got to make it because I entered a short film contest through HBO, and I got a grant for 15 grand, and I had like two months to make my film. And it was about a gay guy going back to his class reunion with his boyfriend and the quarterback hitting on him, uh, and... What do you do? Wasn't and, it somewhat autobiographical? Well, I or did it was based have based on a true story. I did go to my reunion and with a boyfriend, and I was nervous about how everyone would be, and they were all wonderful, and so that was part of it. Is how wonderful and embracing, and I think like with class reunions at your tenure, everyone's still trying to impress each other, uh-huh. and by like twenty twenty five. Everyone's been through so much shit. They just want to have a drink and talk. And you just feel... Everyone sort of accepts each other for who they are. Um, I think. And don't, they don't hold on. And I feel, just felt a lot of love coming back. But you came in and auditioned for um, the sort of lesbian friend that gets drunk at the reunion. And you were so awesome. But I also remember um, you 
Jennifer Dumont yes. helped cast it. She'd worked on Love Spring International. And did she work on Hype? Yes, that's okay. where I met Jennifer. So she brought you in, and she's like, and she does a great share imitation. And we wrote it into the script. And my favorite memory of shooting Reunion is it was late at night. We were at this place called the Pink Hotel on way out in the valley, which they always use for different movies. And your character is drunk and trying to get the lead character to have another drink with you. And if he does it, you'll do your share imitation. <laughs> and he, you start doing it, and you were improvising. And Kenny, the lead actor, was just howling with laughter because it was believable. And we did like three or four different takes. And each time you said something different. One time you did a mask line. And it was just so... I could have sat there and got back to one again and again. I could have Thank done you. that all night long. And it's still one of my favorite parts of the movie. But Thank you. I forget that's how we met. It I seems know. like we would have met somehow. I don't know what else. But anyway. Yeah. I know. And uh, how long? How, how That would have been in 2008. Early 2008. Wow. Six years ago. But it seems like longer. But then we worked together on Fashion Police. We did. Yeah. We were we writing were writers on, on uh, Fashion Police together. And um, yeah, that was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I also remember always sitting next to you at the table when it would go around. And I would remember you touch my leg when it was my turn. <laughs> right? After you do oh, your jokes. Oh, I did. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. That. Yeah. Nervously. Was it... That was ner- That could be <laughs> oh, a little nerve... Did it a get... A little? Come on. Did it get less nerve-wracking? No. And that's the thing about creation. And even, like... I remember every week we'd get the questions and we'd look at these pictures and you could only stare at them so long. And thinking, yeah. And every week I would have that moment at midnight where I go, okay, this is it. This is the time when I find out I'm really not funny. Nothing's going to come. Yeah. And every time at the final hour that creativity would come, sometimes the jokes were better than others. Right. But I go, okay, next week I know when I have this feeling, I know to not believe it. Right. But every week it would come. Every week I would doubt and every week it would come. And then every week I would doubt and every... And I think it's sort of like... If you love something, uh, you can't, you, you know, it's so funny to me when people say, oh, I think I'm going to try acting and I think I'd be really good because I don't really care. Like I won't, I don't care if I get the job and I always right. look at them and I go, well, you know what, honey, sorry, but you have to want it so bad that you burn. You, you can't just casually you, but you have to go into the room and not let those nerves overtake you. And yeah. that's one of those things with auditions that is like a Zen thing. It takes you years to master. Right. But you have to love it so much that there is some doubt or else you, you don't love it. Right. You know? And so it was, re- and you just wanted to please her so badly. Yeah. You know? So it was, oh gosh. And then eating all the candy there on the table. The, the like, M&M, the pretzel uh, M&Ms. Yeah. Um, yeah, as we tape this, uh, it's Sunday morning, uh, Joan had a medical episode on Thursday, I think, and she's in the hospital and I think in an induced coma at the moment. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I didn't know if I should say anything because I, as you all know, I used to work for her and there and, and I'm, I love the people there and I love that experience. It got complicated as you, you know you've heard on the podcast, but I, I did, I, this is so lame. I'm like, I tweeted something loving and supportive and it's not lame. 
It's just so funny. Well, I tweeted. I don't know. know. It's the word. The word tweet it makes everything sound. Has dumb. no gravitas. <laughs> Thank you. It has yeah. no gravitas. So I did that, and then last night I had the weirdest dream about her. Tell the dream. Okay. So we're in a, some. I'm somewhere where her bed is, and it's not a hospital. It's just a room with some beds, and I'm on another bed, just sitting up. And she gets up out of the bed. And she gets on the bed that I'm on, on her hands and knees, like a cat or a dog. And I get up on my hands and knees, like a dog. And I face her face to face. And I just say nice things. Like that I liked working with her and that I loved, you know, loving things. I don't remember exactly what it was. And then she um, went and changed the light in the room somehow. There was something about the light and then that was it. But I thought it was odd. We were on our haunches or on our, you know... Whatever. Animal-like. Yeah. yeah. Primal. I know. And then in that same dream, I was, I had that, um, I guess they call it the actor's nightmare or whatever, where we were making our movie in the valley, like out by where we shot the exterior to my house in our movie, and um, I didn't have the right shoes, and it was just one of those dreams that went on and on and on, and more and more, le- it was very inception-y. But um, do but you ever anxiety, have, like anxiety? I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever have actor nightmares? That oh, are like, they're recurring. Are they... I have to put my show on, and I haven't prepared, and I don't have all the costumes, and like and the that's the are thing there. with those things. You never have the costumes, and you're never going to get them. You're yeah. going to go through every fucking drawer, and then you find something that's kind of like it. Or I, I don't know the material, and yeah. I have to go on stage. I, I they are recurring. Yeah. yeah. Classic frustration, you know, anxiety dreams. Yeah, Glenn, do you have a version of the actor's nightmare, like when it comes to directing, or 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 I didn't take that test, or that I have this thing at work and I can't find the thing, like, or yeah. I'm on the set and I don't know how to do what I've had it where I'm on the set and I realize I hadn't read the script and I don't know what we're shooting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it, it goes back to the old, I didn't study for an exam nightmare that I had when I was in high school. Right. It, it's, everyone's versions of those are interesting. I wonder what psychologists say about them. I guess oh, and I'm naked that, flying around. Yeah. Too. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Important. With a cigar. And I also blew cigar. somebody in the dream last night. You blew someone? Yes. Nice. And he didn't like it. Oh, no. no they, they were like, no, that's okay. I'm good. <laughs> And I don't know who it was. It wasn't a, it was like, it was like some, it felt like some 80s gay porn valley house where all this stuff was happening. Well, we know the source. I know. Nagels on the wall. Yes. So, um, the three of us collaborated on a movie called If We Took a Holiday. We've talked about it a bit on this podcast before. It was something that we wanted to do, kind of a labor of love. It started several years ago and now it's starting to play festivals and we want to give a shout out to all the places it's coming in case you happen to be there so glenn do you have a list handy well this coming wednesday if you're in la it was uh uh named one of the best of the fest by outfest and that was where we premiered uh in july and so wednesday september 3rd at 7 30 in west hollywood um just go to our facebook page and you can see the if list we took a holiday right facebook so, um, best of the fest did you hear that yes yeah. we're also showing all over the place in september in Austin at their LGBT Film Festival in Long Beach. Austin, Long Beach. Um, Reeling Chicago Film Festival, September 20th. Long Beach is September 13th. Austin, September 11th. The CMG Film Festival, again in West Hollywood, on Saturday, September 20th. Fresno, sometime late September. We uh, uh, it, It's actually on uh, Saturday. So it's September um, 20th. 20th. Um, yeah. As well, right, because yeah. we're in Fresno, Chicago, and West Hollywood all on the 20th. Right. Um, Seattle coming up um, in October. On and on. I mean, on basically, on. check so, our Facebook page for listings. Yes. I would Oslo, lo- 
We're going to be in Oslo. Yeah, that's unofficial still. Oh, but, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> but the, the word is that we're going to be in Oslo. I don't know when I, <laughs> I... I don't do that well, but I don't do it as bad as... I think I have a... I think I'm getting a little by osmosis. I think I'm getting a little something. Keep to, practicing. No, <laughs> sure. so can that you, was Madonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when you started <laughs> posting videos on YouTube as Madonna... What's um, what's some stuff that came out of it? Would you, would you hear from random people, or what? Is there anything that wow, this came out of that thing that I put out into the world? Well, I feel like the job on Fashion Police sort of came out from doing Madonna and Cher at the Match Game. Yeah, right. Uh, and gosh, I did. I mean, I've met with um, there are executives that I've met with. Uh, I don't want to say anything unofficially. Yeah, it's that one are, of those that are looking forward to this. Um, uh, premiering because there is interest from people on yeah. what it is and see, taking it to the next level. How many so, episodes are you doing? Right now, nine. That's but if amazing. we have money left over, they're very short. They're yeah. only like five minutes. But as you know, you, it's incredible with even just five minutes with camera and lights and feeding people and everything is, yeah. it, it gets very expensive and hair and makeup and all of that stuff. But uh, so right now we're going to do. Uh, eight or nine, depending, and and perhaps some more. But also, I'm thinking of doing a few episodes, and then again having a check-in episode, perhaps with another character, right? To wrap it up and uh, maybe ask people if there are things that they'd like to see. Or I think so, it's great. So we'll see. Uh, I'm so excited. And do you have a schedule for how they're going to roll out? Or on Wednesday, the first one is uh, this Wednesday, September third. And to go see them, you just Go to YouTube and look up Nadia, N-A-D-Y-A, Ginsburg, G-I-N-S-B-U-R-G, Madonna, or just my name. I think there's only one Nadia Ginsburg with that spelling. And you uh, go and subscribe to my YouTube channel, and uh, you'll be privy to those episodes. So sometime on Wednesday. I love it. Thank you. I can't wait. How um, Was there one that was your favorite to do so far? Um, no, I love, I really, you love all of I them? really do love, I, I just love being, being, um, being able, that's the dream that I'm able to have something I wrote and be with my close friends, um, and create something in play. And yeah. those are the times where all of the struggle and all of that you feel is worth it when you're creating and getting to play. So I really loved you loved all, all of it. Of Do you it. get to dance in it? Because you dance. You're a great uh-huh. dancer. And you have her move. You get her movement they going. Can, well, I did. Um, my boyfriend and I did collaborate on an original song that I had started. And he's a musician in a band called Breakfast. And so he's a composer. And he sort of updated my song, Vaseline the Lens and Backing Up to Cleveland. Uh, I love and it. And he made it more of a club hit. And so there's, I love a, it. there's going to be a music video in there, um, when Madonna has a bit of a freak out yes. about aging. And so she writes this song, Vaseline the Lens, and back it up to Cleveland. So I'm sure it's just video. totally straight from her own psyche. Yes. Now, you um, appeared on the show Partners. Was it yes. last year? When did it air? It was last year. Yes. I and you, you did several episodes. Yes, I came on. I actually auditioned. They did a lot of recasting. I auditioned for the secretary part that they cast with this uh, one woman who got, then they recast it with this very talented uh, actress, Tracy Villar. Um, 
and she became the assistant. And then they brought on two of the people that had auditioned for her part yeah. to play these ancillary characters. One is the very beautiful and talented Paula Christensen and myself. And I played uh, Roberta Hockman Klein, yeah. uh, pregnant uh, from uh, you know from one of the five towns. Yeah. And it starred Michael Urie, who is so unbelievably talented, and uh, David Crumholtz, who you yes. may know from Slums of Beverly Hills. Yeah. And, um, I think 21 Drum Street he was on. Uh, and that was really, really fun. I How actually, many episodes did you do? We sh- I shot five. Um, they were, and uh, two of them aired, and then CBS shut it down. I don't, uh, it didn't <sighs> serve. Was didn't that a heartbreaking survive. blow? Uh, I, if I could lie and say it wasn't, but it was. It, because it really was. I'm like, I, I had gotten to the point, I think, in my career where I thought, Ah, oh, you know what? You can do your comedy thing, and maybe that's the way you're going to make it. It's something you create yourself. You can't wait on a handout. Right. You got to just do it yourself. And then um, this wonderful casting lady, Julie Ashton, who's just wonderful, who always keeps me in mind, called me in for that. And uh, well, I, sh- I don't want to disparage Joan. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's okay. Well, I've already, well, I've already, I, I tweeted. I'm covered. I did my tweet. Yeah. Well, I was uh, told the creators. Uh, well, that I had uh, worked for her, and they went, oh, $7 Joan? I said, what do you mean? They said, well, one of our writers years ago wrote a joke, and she handed him $7. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they are wonderful to work with. Uh, um, uh, Max Muchnick. Right. And uh, David Cohen. Yeah. Whose sister is Genji Cohen. I read that recently in the Hollywood who created yeah, Orange is the New Black. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, no, it was a wonderful experience, and I'm there walking on the set like, I do belong. And then it was like, ugh. Pull the plug. Yeah. Fuck. I know, but you know where what? Were you, where, what lot was it on? It was on the Warner Brothers lot, where nice. ironically, Hype was as yeah. well. It was not too far away. And when we shot Hype, we were right next door to Friends. What was that like? Who was the nicest friend? Oh, well, I didn't really run into uh, many of them. They had a different shooting schedule, but we did crash their um, cast party, their rap party one year. But only, who was the only one? There was only one of them there left. He's the one who has his own. Matt LeBlanc. LeBlanc LeBlanc stays to the end, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I bet. (laughs) Schwimmer's the fuck out of there. We don't even know where he is now at this point. He's doing theater, I think. Yeah. Um, What was it like... To do a sitcom in front of an audience, uh, that kind of feedback, that kind of energy, that kind of pressure. It was wonderful, but once again, I even found that when I was on Hype, when I first got there, I was a little like Gilda Radner. I was a little rattled, and as the season went on, I really became like a racehorse, and I got used to it. Um, and I do remember this one time, you know, and it's Jim, James Burroughs, you know, a directed taxi. Was oh, he directing. was directing. Wow. So I, you know, I didn't know it was James Burroughs. Yes. He's incredible. Yes. And, uh, I do remember this one time I had this in the table read, you know, I had this one scene where I really just got it right away. And they said, he's very picky that if he likes you, you're good. But if he, he said he likes funny people, but if he sees people are a little, they don't get it. He's he's tough on them. Right. And he was cool with me. And he'd give me like, no, do it like this. And I would do it like he told me to do it. But there was this one time where I think I was a little nervous and I didn't hold for a laugh. And what happens is when you're in front of the studio audience, you'll do it once. People will laugh. But then all the writers get together in a huddle and they go, okay, let's... 
We're going to change some jokes. And then they come to you and they go, now your line is this, your line is this, your line is this, your line is this. We're going to do it again. Because you can't waste the audience in their freshness with a yeah. joke. So on the spot, you have to go, okay, this thing I've been practicing and going through table reads and I have downright yeah. for, for a week. Now I have to change on the spot. And I remember one time I didn't hold for the laugh. <gasps> and even one of the cameramen was like, you got to hold for the laugh. And I just felt like saying, no, I can do this. Right. No, I'm meant to be here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. So that was... That was stressful, and I know, but I did a great job. Uh, I know you were I did a great awesome job. On that but show. but um, if it had even gone further, I know I would have really settled in there and yeah, and killed it. But hello, hey, hey, I'm not dead yet. Yeah, that's right. You're not right. And Jenny Slate needs a lot of lookalikes. That's right. There you go. Does that does that bug you? Oh, I the first day the movie came out, I was like, I went through a huge depression. Yeah, I was like, that's it. That's it. Even okay. though she's young, she's younger than me, so I, I could play like an older sister or something. But uh, I was like, "That's it." She's got taking all the parts. Like Chris Rock said, they only let one black man be famous at a time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if you're uh, and if you're I, Kevin Hart, or if you're like, because Jews are people don't talk about it because you're white, but you're not really white because you weren't really allowed in those country clubs. And <laughs> if you're a, there's like the one tenth, like less than one tenth, one percent of Jews in the world. We're very small. We are a minority. We're just all in LA and New York. So everyone yeah. thinks there's lots of Jews, and we're all over the world. But a Jewish type of a girl, if you look uh, on a billboard, there's you know there's like a bunch of white people and an Asian or a black, and which God bless, yeah. or a Puerto Rican or a Puerto Rican, uh, a yeah. Latino. Yeah. So those parts for like one Jewy girl. There's uh, not a lot of parts or opportunities, you know. Right. But uh, I think my part, my type, really is a cross. Be- on the on that show, Partners, I was a cross between uh, Carla from Cheers and the Nanny. <laughs> and that's and that's very needed stuff. I like character. that. So I um I did the cover story on Will and Grace for TV Guide, uh, kind of right right when they were blowing up, and James Burroughs was the director on that, and he directed every episode, and I remember watching a, I don't think it was a table read, it was a blocking rehearsal or whatever, but he would laugh, like, ha, 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 ha. Like, it felt phony, but it also felt like part of his process, that yeah. he does that so the actors know that something's funny, but it felt a little forced, and I was like, that must be kind, there must be a method to that madness or whatever, but maybe he just thought it was funny, but it did sound like, like, sitting around the table, everyone kind of laughing more than they yeah. would. They, mm-hmm. they weren't like, the laughs were a little... Not organic. They weren't, they weren't organic. They weren't organic. <laughs> fair trade. Yes. Vegan, natural biotic. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, so I want to just one, say one thing about our film, or maybe a few things, that I love that we made it. Me too. I love that we're all still friends and we all still love each other. And we worked well together. I think we did. And we had some, there was some stress. There was some... Um, uh, there was a funny story. Glenn and I went to the Holly Shorts Festival where our film played, and you're, uh, you weren't able to be there. But I remember something when I was standing on that stage. Th- there was a scene where I run, I, I steal cupcakes, and I run, like, I don't even that far, 20 feet from a door to a car. I was so sore for the next week <laughs> because I didn't, I either had the wrong kind of shoes on or I was so hyped up on acting adrenaline or something that I, I didn't, my I, I, because my character is supposed to be panicked, so I think I was running and seizing up my muscles. I couldn't walk for like, I mean, I was like, I managed, but 
even a week later when we shot the scene running up the hill, I was still sore. <laughs> and every time I watched it, I was like, mm, I could have ran better. I was a little bit sore. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, yeah, that's, what was, what's something you're going to remember from that shoot, from shooting it? Because the, because it was fun, but it was work. It, I don't yeah. remember like, gosh, we had so much fun. I don't think well, of that. Well, we were on a time crunch because we had to shoot it very quickly. Yeah. Um, and part of it was in my apartment. Yeah. My actual apartment. And mine. Yeah. And what do I remember? I think I loved the day. I think I really loved the dance, the dancing scene being with everybody at the Chacha Lounge at a place where I worked as a bartender and a cocktail waitress. And, and that's why we were able to use the location. And I liked that we used the taco truck of this really nice man, Gus. Um, Gus's lunchbox, who, he, you know, he's 27 and a Mexican man, comes here with four children. It works so hard. And we were able to use his truck. And that we all came together. And some village. That, the, I think the day at the Chacha Lounge, I remember the most. Because it truly was... Uh, taking those relationships in life that meant so much, and we were able to create. When you, and it also shows that you have so much goodwill to you because you are somebody who is kind to everybody. You see, you're not remotely snobby. You see the humanity in every person, Thanks. and I think I think it makes it hard. It can make it hard to go through life because you feel things very deeply. But you, uh, you're you're lovely to everybody, and I think oh, that sentiment of having that club Fuck you <laughs> yeah but like just like that how nice I, I remember because i would deal with the guy at the chacha lounge you know and stuff like that to set up and i could just feel the goodwill that he had for you he's like it's you know what i mean i well, could he directed my um al roker face video yes he's actually, oh, we have to talk about that moment he, he um he uh owns the chacha lounge uh with uh, two other gentlemen all gay men that own this uh uh wonderful bar. There's two locations, one in LA and one in Seattle. And I was actually playing a version of uh, the mismatch game at FUBAR. And someone said, what is the name of Lady Gaga's new album or something? And I said, Al Roker face, but I didn't say it as Madonna. I just did that. Uh, Gaga's weird. She's weirder to imitate because she's not. She does something with her. She has something with her talent. That, um, but she's very nondescript, and she is because she wears a mask. Her yeah. whole thing is about she's difficult to imitate. But anyway, he is actually uh, an editor and a fine artist. He does a lot, did a lot of videos for Tool and Modest Mouse, so he's an artist who also is a businessman. And for no money, we created that video, Al Roker Face. Yeah. And we sent it to Al, nothing. We got no response. And then I was like, oh, fuck. You know, I... I asked all these people, they gave all their time, and I thought for sure he'd like it. So I'm like, I'm just going to fucking put it up on YouTube. I, w I went out and I got drunk. I was really upset. Oh, then so I, you, you just to sum it up, it's a video about Al Roker Face as Lady Gaga where yeah. you parody Poker Face. Yeah. And you thought, I'm going to get this to Al Roker. Something will happen with He's the Today Show. It. Yeah. And then it didn't. It didn't. And then as soon as I put it on YouTube, I went out. Like I said, I got drunk. And I woke up in the morning. My mom's call, mother's calling me. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, what does she want? Right. They played Al Roker face today on the Today Show. <laughs> My mother's Italian. And so uh, they had, I don't know if it was that they wanted it to be sort of cleansed in a way of all copyright. And I don't know what it was that Al was waiting for me to put it up independently of the Today Show. That was a Wednesday. 
Thursday night, I they call me. They say, would you like to come on the show Friday? So Thursday morning, they had played it. I woke up that night. They said, get on a plane, a red eye tonight. Do you want to go be on the fucking Today Show? I was 24 hours later sitting being interviewed by Al Roker and Meredith Vieira. On the Today Show, it was really crazy. And I have a side, a better side, which is my left side. Right. And when I got there... I think I remember that yeah, from the movie. Yeah, I saw... I saw yes. <laughs> I, it's in Cher's contract, just so you know. My friend worked on burlesque, and her side is her left side, too. And they did a whole set. They built it, and when it was not on her side, she made them redo it. But I was there on... I was looking God at the God damn it, do it! I, yeah! So I was there, I looked at the couch, and I went, oh, and I said to the woman, you know, with the headset, I'm like, do I get to sit on that side? She said, don't worry. And I said, I'm so sorry, I don't mean to be. She goes, no, every, she was so non, she's like, no, everyone has a side. Donald Trump, he has a side. That's his side. <laughs> you have the same side as Donald yes, Trump? Yes, and share. All right, well, that's a mixed bag. Yeah. But that's, see, it's amazing because you've, you've struggled, but you've had these moments where they're just kind of like the full... Monty, yeah. The full month. Like, what else could have happened with that, without Roker Face, but that? That's the right. best thing that could happen with that. Oh, it was so wonderful, and it really was great, because everybody at the bar, you know, one night I'm there, like, serving drinks, and the next night, everybody's watching me and texting me. I'm going to get emotional. No, it was sweet. It was, and they were all part of it. Yeah. What um, <laughs> what did uh, what did Al Roker say about it? What, do you was it one of those moments where you felt like you were really present, or were you just like it went uh, so fast? No, it was fast. like a dream. I think the reason I, I was think I was incredibly relaxed, but the only reason I was relaxed is I had no time to worry about it. Yeah, um, and he was lovely. Yeah, and you could tell he really appreciated the attention. Um, but they did try and play it off like I was a stalker or something. But yeah. you could tell he loved it. Right, and I he's. You know, come on. He's Al Roker. He's but I, every man. He's every man. He's I think the lesson also in terms of getting that out there is I feel like news organizations e- react to, oh, it's gone viral. It's on YouTube. In other words, they're more likely to play something that's out in the world yeah. than this was sent to us. I feel like that's the way they think now, for well, sure. Well, that's the way all Hollywood works. Everyone, it's it, fear-based. It's like once... Everybody likes you. Then you say, oh, Nadia, I remember her when she was in the East Village with this man, Victor Verhage, and they did this thing. I've always been a fan, but very few people will stick their neck out and stand by you. They have to wait until the pack likes you. It's like my friend Brett says, love me less, hire me more. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. We used his apartment in yes. the Yes. Um, Super movie. generous. Yes. And I also, one of my favorite, we want to hear what your, what's your favorite memory of making a holiday? Uh, well, shooting is always stressful. It uh, always is. So the writing of it was really a blast. Um, having a front row seat to you guys, you know, just hashing out the story was always right. fun. Yeah. Uh, well, but, you hashed, front seat, we all hashed out the no, story. No, but I got to like, just, you know, usually I'm writing by myself. And so this was just a treat to like right. hear other people pitching things. And, and also like we would always get there and write and there was always like 20 minutes of catch up boy drama of this guy I did. You can't, you have to hear that. Like, I, yeah. I love the kibitzing. I yeah. love that too. But in shooting it, I, I think my favorite thing was uh, for those who will eventually see it, this cupcake scene. Uh, it was something that I wasn't a big fan of when we wrote it. And I just thought, ah, the story kind of stops. It's not my favorite moment. We should cut it. We shouldn't shoot it. And then we're shooting and I'm like, oh, this is my favorite scene. Oh. And it still is now. It's like that scene is kind of a gem for me. And when we were shooting it, Nadia has this moment where she eats a cupcake and then she 
does something with the cupcake. I won't spoil what it is. And what she did to the cupcake ended up all over our boom operator who's <laughs> off camera. So if you see that, I mean, he was kind of losing his shit because he thought it was so hilarious. He could barely hold the boom. He was shaking so much uh, laughing. And uh, I just thought, oh, wow. Yeah, this. I'm so glad that we did shoot the scene. Isn't that funny with the collaborative process that I, I found that sometimes when you write alone, the bad thing is you'll either cradle a turd or you will say, think something is so incredible that really isn't. And that it is funny how also it's a self-protective mechanism that after certain years you're like, I know what I like and I know what's funny. And yet what else are you, and you trust? never know. You've you have gotta, to be open to yeah. things like there are things that I don't think will work. And then they're the things people like the most. So that is a great part of collaborating, right? Mm-hmm. That you gives you a... It makes you more open to to things that you would have shut down when you were by yourself. Yeah. And that's one of the terrifying things of writing on your own, right? We can, yeah. We've all done that. We can all say that, right? Yeah. What if this sucks? What if this, um, whatever. But something you mentioned earlier, and it, I remember when we were shopping for the Lies La Bonita dress downtown, I was playing this podcast that I had just listened to about writing. Oh, yeah. And I think so many people. Yeah, it was Dennis Palumbo on the Script Notes podcast with uh, John August and Craig Mazin, but talking about different things that writers struggle with. And one of the things he said was that he stressed, and this was my big takeaway, is that feelings aren't predictive. So that feeling you had in the middle of the night at Fashion Police, that da-da-da-da-da, just because you're having that feeling doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. Right. It's just a feeling. Yes. And sometimes you'll have it, sometimes you won't. But it it doesn't mean anything about the future. It doesn't. Yeah. And that's something that, like, when you read something, like, everyone's going to hate this. This isn't going to go nowhere. Whatever. That's just a feeling. It's Own it. It's natural. Move on. Whatever. But it doesn't mean that the result is going to be what you think it's going to be. And it's very hard when you're in the performing arts, when you're t- everything is about expressing your feelings and connecting yeah. to a feeling, that if that's your job, then when it's not your job, it's very hard to go, oh, no, that's just a feeling. Yeah. When your feelings are your currency. Yeah. Do you know? So... That's funny. My legs are my currency. That's yeah. right. Those scams. <laughs> Those scams. And I also want to say about our movie is what I'm, I'm proud of the journey of it, but what I'm, I'm really proud of is that it makes people feel good. I, I, we're starting to get it out there, and it, it makes people feel good. They, 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 it, it's uh, delight is the word I hear a lot. And yeah. I don't, it's not going to set the world on fire, but I think it's uplifting in a nice way. Jackie Beat cried. Did I, she? I wanted yeah. to. Jackie B cried? Yeah. That's amazing. After the first screening, I was sitting behind him, and he went, I, and he looked over, and he went, I love it. And I'm going to disagree <laughs> with you, Dennis. I, I, I wanted gonna, to set the world on fire. I wanted yeah. to, too. I See, that's me. I'm, I manage my expectations. That's what Joan said. I have managed my expectations so far out of existence. I think it's protective. It is, but Joan did say that too in her one of her biographies. She said, I learned with the ups and downs to stay right in the middle. And even when you read a good review or a bad review, never give in to those feelings. You stay right in the middle and you keep going. Because you can't expect, that's what, you can't expect one thing to save your life. Yeah, I don't expect it to, but it would be awesome if, if it, it would. Yes. But I, I <laughs> wish I could. Your, your, your positivity is right on point. And, prob- and probably annoying. And no, no. <laughs> but like, we um, played at the Holly Shorts Film Festival here in LA. It was a group of gay shorts. 
And there were before our short, there were like seven or eight shorts in the program. I think we had seen liquor stores robbed at gunpoint. We'd seen at least three rapes. And just all this dark stuff that people were expressing in their movies. And they were well done and all that, and, and God bless them. But it was a lot. And then our movie played, and it, you could just feel... It got laughs where no, it never got laughs before. The straight audience thought things were funny, uh, and I could ju- you just feel that it. What? Oh, this is such a relief. You could just feel that people um, were buoyed uh, by it. Yes, yeah. it lifted people up, and I'm really proud of that. And I'm proud of too that it it, uh, it doesn't. As that said, it's not saccharine. Like everything, I don't want to give away again too much of it, but it it doesn't. It's not. It, it at one time says that that a fantasy and imagination are important, but it's very grounded, and that it's everything doesn't get wrapped up into a neat little bow. It's so there's that's the poignance, and I, th- I think that's the, that's what I love about it too. I think the theme of it is that your imagination and your friends can get you through get you through the stuff, and I think that's something that we have all really learned kind of the hard way. I, I think our, our trajectories are very similar. We kept being creative. We're still being creative. Yeah. Uh, and, you know. We still over. got it. We still got it. <laughs> We're still here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so there you go. If you're in any of those cities, check it out. Um, Actually, if you're just in any city, it'll probably be there. And the trailer is yeah. also online. Um, so I think that's about all I have. What? How long have we been talking? An hour nineteen. I think that's a nice little. Like it's it. a nice little podcast. Let's remind everyone again to watch Madonna Logs. And is there a way to subscribe? How can yes. they show their love? They to can you? just go to YouTube and cl- hit uh, subscribe. It's very easy. Yeah. One one click away. Yeah. You're one click away. Um, and, uh, you can, when is the, uh, this is going to go up on either Monday or Tuesday. Okay. So it will be, um, before it'll be, it'll be right before it. Yes. So Wednesday, you can be on the cutting edge. Yes. Now, uh, do people also, do you like to tweet? Should people follow you on Twitter? Sure. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. I think Twitter is where, where it's at. Where it's at. Yeah. Because I've reached my. Uh, limit on the Facebook. You've, you've reached your gay ceiling yeah, uh, on I Facebook. I can't accept any more friends. <laughs> yeah. So um, sure, follow me on Twitter. Um, subscribe to YouTube, and I hope you enjoy the series. I love it. I love that you did it. I know it's been a long time coming, and I cannot wait to watch each and every episode and post and and I might even tweet about it. Nice. My, <laughs> I think my 14 followers would be fascinated. <laughs> I'm gonna Instagram and tweet. Wow. All right. All right. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, thank you for listening. This has been Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. Bye.